Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Making Monsters with Taylor Dahl. It's like beer and brats. A perfect combination. You know the deal. All right, welcome back to another episode of Making Monsters. We are moving on this season. Uh, the the Bears-Lions game, not exactly how we wanted it to end, but there was a lot of good things to come out of that game. Uh, we saw four turnovers by Jared Goff, and the Bears' defense looked like they are getting better week by week. Unfortunately, later in the game, it didn't it didn't pan out the way they wanted, but we are here to pick a new monster, and this week we are covering uh, Javon Dexter. He is just getting better every single week. We saw through the first three weeks those growing pains, which happen when you go from college football to the NFL and kind of picking up on the speed, and in addition to the Bears' defense being a lot of new guys up there, so they were all kind of trying to figure out the rotation and what needed to happen. Um, but within three weeks, we were already shouting to see Dexter more, and we were asking for more snap counts from Javon Dexter because when he was on the football field, we were seeing an impact. And so now that is statistically being shown now. He is the second in pass rush win rate in rookie defensive tackles just behind Jalen Carter. That's a name everybody knows. He's had eight pressures in the last two weeks and 15 on the season. You've seen him impact the run game. Obviously, the pass rush, as I just mentioned, a couple plays last week against the Lions, you saw him really rattle Goff, and that directly correlated to some of the turnovers, including one where Dexter's hand tipped a ball, leading to Tremaine Edmonds' interceptions. And so those are just things that we're continuously seeing Javon Dexter do on the football field, and I think that we are just going to see that get improve more and more throughout the season and throughout his time here at the Bears. So today we are we have two guests joining us. First, let's talk to Coach Don Grant. He is the defensive coordinator for Lake Wales High School football, uh, where Javon Dexter went to high school and played football. An interesting story with Dexter as he didn't play football until his last two years, the junior senior year in high school. So that's a little interesting, but coach, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Thanks. Um, So as I mentioned, the wild thing about Dexter is that he didn't play football until those last two seasons. Basketball was his main sport um, for the beginning of his high school career and probably the majority of like when he first started really getting into sports, he kind of leaned towards basketball. So let's start from that a little bit, Coach, because you were actually an assistant on Dexter's basketball team before he even switched over to football. So talk about that and how, uh, how he was on the court playing basketball as a basketball player and which of those traits were able to transfer to the football field eventually? Well, Dexter was uh, very quick, you know, had good footwork, you know, strong. He's six six, six seven, you know, strong inside the paint, um, can dribble, can run the floor. I mean, just an all-around athlete, when you put him out on the floor, it's just, it's just a beast. Yeah, and that's a lot of the things we heard was, I think we, the, the feet, the footwork, when you hear players that transfer well from basketball to football, a lot of times it is 
the footwork that they are able to use that to kind of transfer and obviously the size. Is that something you noticed from him that was able to help him once he did go over to the gridiron over the basketball court? And that's the first thing that stands out about Dexter. I mean, I mean, as soon as you see him in the paint with the ball, you can tell that his footwork is amazing. I mean, and then the way that he can explode from the ground up, you know, to put the ball in the rim. You can see that firsthand. That is the first thing that stands out to you. So, Coach, what did? How did he end up getting recognized by the football team? And Coach, I believe it was it was uh, Coach Johnson, um, and still Coach Johnson, I I, I believe, um, who talked him into coming to play football. And maybe uh, uh, Dexter, a little hesitant at first, ended up doing it. But what was um, that like originally? Just trying to talk him into, hey, come try football. And was the defensive side of the ball what he, they thought he was going to work at right away? Well, everything that the day that Dexter came to Lake Wells, you know, everybody's been in his ear about playing football. But mm-hmm. for some reason he had in his mind that he was a basketball player. I mean, was nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at his size and his, his, his body size. Um, you're looking at him and you're just saying, man, he's a big defensive lineman. And um, I, at the time I was coaching defensive line. Um, and I was just talking to him, you know, being in his ear every day, like, hey, man, you know, just try football. You know, go back out. You play with the Little League. You know, try in high school. And, you know, other coaches, you know, the whole coaching staff would be in his ear. And um, I guess it finally sunk in, you know, when his dad finally sat him down and talked to him about it. It finally sunk in, and then he came out. I love it. And that's so, what is the overlap? Because I think here in Jacksonville, there is a little overlap between basketball and football, but not a ton. Is it the same uh, where you guys are in Lake Wales? Yes, it's the same. Okay. Yes. So did he decide, did, was he still playing both sports at that time, or did he kind of just shift over and put his focus into football? No, nah, he shifted over and put his focus into football. Okay. Um, as the bas- as bas- basketball season ended, um, he shifted to spring football and, you know, became a star from there. So tell us a little bit, because choosing to leave a sport that you kind of felt was the sport you were going to be able to play and play into college, as in Dexter probably thinking that was basketball for him, and then being able to come out and be successful pretty quickly on the football field and noticing, like, hey, I'm pretty good at this, but you still are seeing a sport that you've played for so long and you enjoy. So did you see that was easy for Dexter? Did he enjoy football enough to where it was a, a fun transition for him during that time? Well, any time a kid get the kind of recruiting attention that he got when he started, um, that's just going to take over right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an instant takeover. Once he see the, you know, all the different college coaches coming at him, trying to, you know, recruiting him, telling him, hey, you know, everybody wants him to come to his school, their school, you know, that, that, that plays a big part. Oh, definitely. And I do want to talk about the recruiting a little bit, but let's talk over the next couple years, that junior, senior year, Obviously, a really raw product because he was a basketball player and he's kind of learning this football. He had played football, I think, a little younger. And I read something where maybe he he had hurt his his ankle at one point, and that's when he was like, "Okay, football may not be for me. Basketball may be for me." Um, but he started really developing on the football field. And so, tell us a little bit about the traits on the field that really started to improve, especially that senior year, to where you guys were watching him and you're like, "Okay, this guy can play college football." Well, his big improvement um, was coming off the ball and using his hands. 
Um, we was real big. We were real big about that in Lake Wells uh-huh. with our defensive linemen. Uh, coming off the ball, pressing a man, working half a man, and I mean, he just killed it. I mean, we we showed him what we needed to do. We told him what we needed to do, and he he just ran with it. I mean, he he's a sponge when it comes to information. Uh-huh. And then his size. I mean, his strength and size. I mean, once he puts his hands on somebody, I mean, the, the play is pretty much dead. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's what it's it's interesting because that's one of the things that we heard even through the the draft process, the the combine, the draft, everything. Once the Bears did draft uh, Dexter, a lot of people's criticisms were all on his his get off his coming off. Um, and so we, that was one of the concerns that some people had. But to me, coach, I, it looks like he's almost a natural out there. And like I said, it took a few weeks to really kind of catch up to the speed. But you can tell that every single, every single thing, and you mentioned kind of like a sponge when it comes to taking in information and putting that out into the out into his play on the football field. And you can notice that immediately because the first few weeks, there was some things, some areas that he needed to fix. And you can tell the coaching staff was like, hey, if you can do this, this, and this, you're going to be a really good player in the NFL. And we've seen that slowly progress. So it's it's funny that even things that were positive traits in high school are still now affecting him in a positive way in the NFL. Um, tell us a little bit about that se- that senior season, Coach. You were the defensive coordinator that year when Dexter was playing. Lake Wales went 12-1 and that year, didn't lose a game until, I believe, the finals in the playoffs in round three. But how much was a f- of a factor was Dexter to that defense and that team in general of being able to win 12 games? Uh, Dexter played a big role. I mean, he made everybody on the team better, I mean. At that time, we was um, like we was undefeated. I mean, he he just drove everybody to get better because of his work ethic. I mean, when you say get to the ball, he's going a thousand miles an hour to get to the ball. Mm-hmm. So when other kids see that, you know, they follow suit because he's a natural born leader. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are gonna automatically follow him because of his size and the way he carries carries himself. But he just, I mean, he just stands out in many ways. I agree. And it's definitely something we see, like I said, almost immediately. And I did my I did a podcast series before the draft and it was kind of a uh, who the Bears could potentially pick beyond because they had the ninth pick beyond the ninth pick. Who are some of the guys that I would like to see on the Chicago Bears? And I actually did in early April, April, an episode on Dexter saying I would like to see him in Chicago. So when the Bears selected him, I was super excited. Obviously, being here in Jacksonville, I'm also close to the Florida Gators. We cover them pretty closely. So I was very familiar with him and what he was able to do um, at Florida. And honestly, even maybe not putting up the numbers that people expected just because the defense wasn't very good. But the impact that Dexter had on that defense at Florida is still it shows this year with him not there. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that recruiting process. A couple more for you before I let you go, Coach. Only two years playing football. I mentioned that a few times, but a ton of schools saw the potential potential in Dexter, obviously. He had offers from Syracuse, Nebraska, NC State, FIU, West Virginia, Virginia, Pitt, Tennessee, Georgia, all of these schools. He ultimately chose chose Florida. I know a large part of that was uh, Dan Mullen. Uh, He's made a lot of comments on how much Dan Mullen led him to Florida, but obviously the, the proximity of where that is close to home for him, I'm sure was a part but how was that process like for Dexter that's a lot of attention uh maybe can be overwhelming for some guys when you're also going through an undefeated season when with your football team and also kind of deciding where you want to play uh football and further your career so what was that whole process like for the team in general and for Dexter well for the team they was excited you know because they got to see a lot of coaches come around 
you know, and that's an opportunity to, for them to shine, you know, and, and showcase their talent. But Forrest Dexter, man, he had coaches around him, you know, has been in that position, such as myself. So, you know, he had people to guide him with his with his decision. You know, ultimately it's his decision, you know, where he wants to go. But, you know, Forrest soaking it in, you know, just sitting back soaking it in, you know, enjoying it while it lasts. Because it's not going to last forever. Yeah. So, he pretty much soaked it up, you know, enjoyed it, you know, took his time, you know, and made his decision. Well, then that's good because it is. And I've talked to, I've done a lot of these podcasts and some of some of them, the kids know right away where they want to go to school. Sometimes it's a longer process. Some choose to be close to home. Some choose for coaches, certain coaches and facilities. Some choose because of the football program of where they are. And obviously Florida has a lot of history, so it's not like he was choosing one that didn't, but he was choosing one that in more recent years hasn't been as good as maybe in the past. But being able to be a part of something like the Florida Gators, I'm sure, was really cool for Dexter to go through. Um, give me your thoughts a little bit on, because obviously Dexter was drafted by the Chicago Bears, I mentioned that, and he was in round two, pick 53. Were you surprised at all when he went in the second round of the draft and now so far of what he's been able to do in the NFL? Does that surprise you at all with his talents? That doesn't surprise me. Um I know he was going to be a star when I first came on the football field. I mean, six seven, six 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 seven, D tackle. I mean, that he's destined to be a star. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a path for you. I mean, that's it's written for you. But it wasn't a surprise to me at all. Man. Watching him, even just watching him first year at Florida when he got the uh, freshman year when he got that that interception. Mm-hmm. I just knew right there it's, it's going to be a. I mean, it, it, the doors are going to open for him. Yeah. And it's fun. You can tell somebody when some a rookie comes in and a rookie is already making an impact the way he is on that line. The the Bears defense last year coach allowed 100 I want to say it was like 158 yards per game. This year they're down to it it dropped to like 58 for a few games. I think it's back to like 78, but they've cut it in half and when mm-hmm. I tell you a very large part of that is what Dexter's been able to do on the line and I mean that. So it's really fun to watch this kid come in as a rookie and just really make strides right away. Um there's other pieces around him obviously, but that that's what works. Like you you mentioned his leadership role and the personality in that and you can already see that shining through. So I'm really excited to see him the next few years and how that the leadership grows and how just like his talent on the football field and on that line helps the Bears. But I, I really appreciate it, Coach. Good luck to you this weekend. Uh, you have a game on Friday in the, in, the, in the regional playoffs. So good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. And I will chat with you another time and hope you have a great Thanksgiving weekend. All right. Same to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, now we are joined by Shane Matthews. He's former Florida Gator and Chicago Bear quarterback, now color analyst for Gator Radio, and that's why we are talking to Shane today. Shane, thanks so much for hopping on with me. Glad to be with you. Uh, So we are obviously here. I texted you to see if you could join me to talk about Javon Dexter. He's had a a really solid start to the beginning of the Chicago Bears season. It took a few games to really get going. He's kind of a rotational piece right now, but we've seen his snaps increase throughout these five weeks. Last week, the the most being almost half of the snaps he played for Chicago against Washington and the win. Um, so that's why we're here. He had a great game last week, and I'm super excited to just kind of learn a little bit more about Dexter. Uh, he was drafted by the Bears in the second round in this last draft with the 53rd pick. 
And uh, so this podcast is about that, kind of his journey and his path to the NFL. And so we're going to backtrack a little bit, Shane, real quick. In high school, Dexter didn't start playing football until his junior year. But his skill set, body makeup, all of those things kind of shot him up those recruiting boards. Uh, This being, and he also grew up about two and a half hours away from Gainesville. That put him on the map for the Gators. Uh, But a lot of powerhouse schools were going after Dexter after his five-star status in 2020. So Shane, tell me, what was it that you believe led him to choosing Florida and the the Gators winning that recruitment battle for Dexter? Well, I, I would think, as you mentioned, uh, being close to home mm-hmm. uh, has a lot to do with it. And obviously, Florida's put a lot of defensive linemen throughout the years in, in the National Football League. And as you mentioned, I think he got a late start with football, but with his size and athleticism, uh, really propelled him up the charts uh, in the recruiting ranks. And, you know, he came to Florida, uh, kind of a, a green type player, player, not playing a whole lot. And uh, I think a lot of fans were hoping for more from him, but mm-hmm. when you when you're inexperienced, uh, and and I, honestly, we didn't have great defenses the last couple of years that mm-hmm. he played at Florida. Uh, probably hurt him when it came to the stats. Yeah, and on the opposite end of that, because at the time it was Dan Mullen who was recruiting during this time, and so. I'm guessing what he was seeing in Dexter, even though it was a lot of rawness because he had only played a couple years in high school, I'm guessing it was that that size and the body frame and all of that that Dan Mullen did see in Dexter? Uh, Absolutely. I think nowadays with all the different types of combines that they have around the country for high school athletes, you know, the recruiting analysts and and so-called experts and, you know, they release all the the data and the measurables of, you know, how tall, what you're in the 40, what you're in the shuttle in, things of that nature. And, you know, Dexter was a a very athletic guy for his size. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's, you know, not playing a lot of football, that definitely is what caught a lot of coaches' eyes uh, when he came out of high school. Well, and Shane, so his freshman season, as you mentioned, um, he was used as a rota- he had more of a rotational role on the line because you had guys like Slayton and Kyrie Campbell, Zach Carter that year. Did did you see something during that freshman year though that made you think that maybe he could be a, have a like kind of solidify a starting role in the up the next couple years? Well, definitely. I mean, anytime you're as big and um, and as mobile and just as strong as he is, you knew that he would be able to to get a starting job eventually uh, with the Gators. And you knew that he would have a chance to play at the National Football League because he was going to tear up the combine because, yeah. as I mentioned, he, he's going to run faster than most guys his size. He's going to jump higher. And that's what a lot of you know NFL general managers and, and the people in the front office look for. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're seeing pretty quickly. Like I said, it took a few weeks. The first few weeks, you could definitely tell that there was um, some some learning to be done uh, for Dexter. But the the last couple of weeks, he's really kind of taken started taking some big leaps up to being what Bears fans were hoping he could be. And it's it's very a very young line. Um, when it with the Bears right now, they're really trying to figure something out. It's one of the position groups that are. The, the least confident we were in coming into the season. So it's good to kind of see Dexter step up and, you know, take onto this role. And I mentioned a little bit ago those three names and Slayton, Campbell, and Carter. And now all three of those guys left the next year. Um, and Dexter kind of took over that central piece his, his sophomore season, leading him to take kind of on a, a way bigger role for the Gators the next two years at Florida. So how did he embrace that role? Because it kind of goes to a young guy as a freshman raw to having to be almost a leader on that line. 
Yeah, well, he became a leader, obviously. And, you know, I think, as I mentioned earlier, statistically, I don't have the stats or didn't really follow them, but just, you know, people complained at times, but a lot of it was because of his ability. The opposing teams in college would focus on double teaming him or what have you, let mm-hmm. other guys make the plays. So, you know, I think once those those guys that you mentioned left to go to the National Football League, it hurt his production, so to speak. Uh but, you know, now you're seeing how athletic and, and the kind of career that he could have with the Bears. Yeah, and so I'm curious, too, because the the numbers were a big thing coming into the draft this year. A lot of people were just saying, you know, statistically, the stat sheet, that it wasn't it wasn't very full. But um, in part, I feel like or do you feel like some of that was because he was used in so many different forms? The double team was there. But I know when Patrick Tony, when that system kind of took over, he he was also playing defensive end a little bit. And then obviously he was you kind of saw him all over the defensive line. Do you think that affected it a little bit, too? Yeah, there's no question. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, Florida's defense, uh, the, the, the few years that Dexter played there were not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's because of the personnel around him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's still such a young player mm-hmm. that's so athletic at his size that if he can stay healthy, you know, he's one of those kind of guys that should improve each year, you know, due to playing in the National Football League trying to realize what I have to do as a player to excel because, you know, in, in high school when you're that big, you can just – you may have poor technique and you can just overpower guys because you're just bigger, stronger, and faster than them. Mm-hmm. He learned in the he learned in the SEC, I can't do that. But he's still such a young football player that uh, he's only going to improve. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the moving on into the, the combine and to the draft process. You mentioned you kind of, the expectations were that he would be able to have a great combine because that's just the type of athlete, the type, the size that he is. Uh, were you surprised at all that he went into in the second round? Were you expecting later or was that right about where Gators were expecting Dexter to go? Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't follow the draft much. I okay. don't keep up with it. But, I, I, you know, with his, as again, with what he was going to do at the Combine, you knew it would catch a lot of people's eyes yeah. because big dudes like him don't move that fast. Mm-hmm. Now, the athlete of today, it's, it's, it's crazy how athletic some of these big guys are. Um, but, yeah, it, it didn't surprise me one bit. Could he have gone higher? Possibly. Could mm-hmm. he have gone much lower because of his production? Yes, but – you know, I think now the NFL is becoming a lot like the NBA where they draft kids on potential. Yeah. And you can see a lot of potential with him. Yeah. And, and I think you see that a lot. And the first round are kind of when you go to the first round of the draft, it's pretty much the guys that people are you feel like are close to guarantees at least. But once you get into those second, third, fourth rounds and beyond that, you really do. A lot of the people have been drafting on, you know, it's when you have this conversation of, of need over uh, where they actually should fall on that board. And the defensive line was a big need for the Chicago Bears. So maybe some people think they did reach a little bit. But hopefully it ends up working out because uh, it seems like Dexter's really made, uh, kind of making his way, getting comfortable on that line. It's They're interesting. They're using him a lot at the one tech right in the middle of the defensive line, which is interesting because the, everything I was reading with him coming in was more three tech guy. Um, but he's 
been very successful, especially against Washington. Got his first sack last week at that one tech right uh, lined up across from the center. So that was kind of fun to see. But I do, Shane, I have to, talking to you, a uh, former Bear quarterback, I do have to talk a little bit about that position in general. Um, so it, it took 20 years, Shane, but someone finally broke your record that had been held all this time. Uh, Justin Fields last week, I, I don't even know if you knew this, did you know your record still stood for the consecutive completions in Chicago? I didn't, and I was actually on the golf course uh, this past week and had multiple people, I guess, that were watching the Bears play. And I don't know who did the broadcast, but had mentioned that. And I was shocked that it was still a record. Um, but congratulations to Justin Fields for beating that record. Yeah, it's been a little bit. I, it's funny because I don't even know if there's so many just – Uh, statistically things when it comes to quarterbacks in the last 20 years with Chicago that every time a stat pops up we're kind of like oh there's another one Um, so yeah when that one came up they were like oh it's finally 16 completions that's the most since Shane Matthews in 2000 I believe it was so uh, that's uh, it was a good thing for Justin, a good thing for Chicago Chicago to finally see something out of a quarterback, but that's what brings me. I, I mentioned to you a little bit before we started talking um, about your feelings on Justin Fields and him as a passer. And uh, so just give me your thoughts a little bit. How much have you watched of Justin and what do you what what are kind of your expectations of him for the NFL? Well, I, I don't follow the NFL as much as I do college football, but you know he's a guy who's extremely athletic. It's kind of the, the today's type quarterback, mm-hmm. really athletic, um, can run the football, has a tremendous arm. Not sure where it's going to go all the time when you throw it. And you know, I, I just there's three things that I think are just extremely important that I think a lot of general managers and people overlook when it comes to the quarterback position. It's one is is uh, processing information. Uh, understanding your offense. The second is accuracy and anticipation. The third is mental and physical toughness. Mm -hmm. You give me those three things as your quarterback, you're going to win a lot of games. Uh, We know Justin can run the football. I don't know if he's a good enough thrower on a, on a weekly basis to be that superstar type quarterback. Maybe he becomes it. I don't know, but you know, he's going to make splash plays and that's Mm -hmm. what excites fans are splash plays. But to win in that league, you have to throw the ball at a high level consistently, and we'll have to see if he can do that throughout his career. Yeah, I do have one question based on that because obviously we're we're five weeks into this season. Uh, we know last year a lot of a lot of the issues with Justin were things that you mentioned in that your number two with the anticipation. That was a lot of the criticism that Justin had at the end of last season was just like, hey, can he get to the point where he can really anticipate these throws? Um, A lot of people kind of, you know, there was excuses around it because the line was bad and there we really didn't have any number one wide receiver and all of those things. But one thing that's kind of stood out to me, especially in this first five weeks, because when you look at all the, now there's statistics for everything, next gen and PFF drop stats for everything you can think of. Um, So when you, some of those numbers, for example, are his accuracy on 35 plus uh, for 20 plus yard throws he's one of the most accurate in the league when it comes to the deeper passes and then right now in the red zone he's the second most accurate 15 for 25 125 yards eight touchdowns no interceptions in the red zone Um, but the issues that keep kind of popping up and that we saw a lot in the first two seasons and then now still are kind of seeing that he's struggling are those mid-range like the 10 to 19 yard passes what is it that would lead a quarterback to struggle there but be able to complete these these deep passes at such a high level well you're exactly right they give more stats nowadays it's it's (laughs) mind-boggling it it can confuse the hell out of you but look 
I, I tell people when I was coaching kids, uh, just quarterback play, it's so much easier to throw the ball deep than it is underneath. Uh, I've never understood why coordinators or people, commentators talk about if a backup comes in, be conservative, you know, throw slants, flat mm-hmm. routes. There's too much commotion, and you got to really get the ball out of your hand and be on time and be extremely accurate on those throws. When you throw the ball deep, you only have to look one guy off, mm-hmm. and then you just launch it. There's, there's only good things happen usually. You know, you either catch it, it falls incomplete, you get pi. Worst case, you make a really bad throw, it's intercepted, and it's like a punt. So maybe it's because, as I talked about, the accuracy and anticipation, and that that shorter intermediate, because things happen so fast. Yeah. When you throw deep, it really doesn't happen that fast, and it's more it's a safer throw in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, but I, when I watch quarterbacks, uh, I, I've never understood why people are so conservative because with, with young guys, because putting the ball deep down the field is so much easier for a quarterback. Yeah. And especially when you have guys like DJ Moore this year, obviously the bears added him in the soft season and he's just been, it's almost just kind of toss it up. Joe Burrow has that with Jamar chase. And they, there was a joke last year where Jamar was just like, throw it up and I'll get it <laughs> when it's deep passes. Yeah. Um, well, well, in, in, in today's football, the advantage is to the offense mm-hmm. with the way that the game is called and played and, you know, give, give these great athletes on the outside an opportunity uh, in one-on-ones to make plays. Yeah. Uh, final one for you, Shane, before I let you go, uh, because like I said, former Chicago Bear quarterback record just broken. But I have to ask you about the historical Hail Mary game uh, against the Browns, obviously. 30 seconds to go, down two touchdowns, scored one uh, with a pass to Marty Booker. Bears recovered an onside kick right after that, followed by the Hail Mary tip for a touchdown. What was going through your head in those moments, Shane? Were you able to keep up with all of the, all of the things that were happening to make that, those final 30 seconds happen? Well, those are things you practice week in and week out, you know, different type of situations, but they really never happen in a game. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Hail Marys are lucky. Let's be honest. James Allen was a, t- was a running back that got down there and caught the tip. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we won the game in overtime. But, you know, it was, we, we sputtered around the entire game and, and just played pretty well at the end. And, you know, those things happen. It's a, it's a crazy game. You just got to keep playing till, till the end. Yes. What were your feelings when you were up there towards Bears fans? Because I know they can be, they can be aggressive, they can be crazy, but they're definitely passionate about the, about the Bears. What, what were kind of your feelings about them when you were up there? Well, I was there seven of my 14 years mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't care too much for the cold weather, but yeah. that's part of being a Chicago Bear. It's, <laughs> it's a great organization. It's a great city. The fans, as you said, are very, very passionate. Uh, they booed the hell out of me quite a bit, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I deserved it because I was just a very average player, but uh, it's a great organization. Um, love playing there, quite honestly, and um, we'll see if they can ever get back to being relevant. I mean, We've had some good playoff teams while I was there, but, you know, Mm -hmm. the 85 Bears are still what everybody talks about. Definitely. And that's a a very high standard, too, to ever even be able to meet. And especially it was such a defensive team. And they had a glimpse of that, I guess, in like the 2007. But everyone will always hold on to the 1985 Bears. I wasn't even born yet, Shane, and I still hold on to the 1985 Bears. So uh, that's just part of (laughs) what it is. But, again, thanks so much for hopping on with me and talking about Dexter and some of your time with the Bears um, I appreciate any time, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you. You too. 
Thanks to Coach Don Grant and to Shane Matthews, obviously former Bears quarterback and former Gator quarterback. It was really cool to hear his insight and Coach Grant's insight on Dexter and how he was able to pretty much be what he's been able to be from the start. And there's always been a little bit of rawness there because he only played that couple years in high school. And so I think there is a little bit of a learning curve with that. But personally, I'm seeing week after week things that I'm improved by, impressed by with Dexter, and I fully expect that to continue. The defensive line definitely looks a lot better than it did in the first three weeks of the season, and you have to admit that. Is the defense where we want it right now? No, uh, but at the same time, I think a large part of that is a lot of these guys haven't played much together. I mean, the all of the defensive back groups have been hurt at different times this season. Uh, this last couple of weeks has been the first times they've been able to play together since the second quarter in week one. So they're trying to, re, you know, kind of refigure how to gel completely. And uh, the defensive line with adding Montez Sweat has been getting more pressures and they're creating some things up front. I continue to see that. I, sh- I expect to continue that to improve and uh, see even more of that. Tremaine Edmonds has been banged up. He came back last week. We saw him with the pick. Um I expect the linebacker group to just continue to get better. The offensive lines haven't played. The, our star, All of our starters hadn't played together until this last week. And then we see Lucas Patrick go down too. And uh, Feeney had to come in. Uh, Larry Borum had to come in because Braxton got banged up. I think they, they thought it was a concussion. Not sure what's going on with that yet. I'm sure we'll find out soon. Uh, but so still we haven't seen a full game of our offensive line starters all playing together. But still... Justin Fields had more one of his better games, one of his more confident games of his career this last week, and his last three starts outside of that Vikings game have been really good football. Uh, we just need to figure out how to finish. We need to figure. We need to learn how to win. And as cheesy as that sounds, I've seen it happen with the Jaguars, where there was just a, a switch that flipped last year at one point, and it was late in the season. It was week ten, eleven, where you were finally like, okay, this team is actually like finally winning these games that have been so close uh, for the you know previous five, six weeks before that. So I think it's time for that. I hope it's time for that because I think that the roster on paper and the roster of how they're actually performing on the field is way better than what the record shows. And that's just personally what I think. But I know other people think otherwise. Um, but when we look at guys like Dexter, I think we have to tip our hat to Ryan Poles. This guy has just... In, Two seasons, two off seasons, which I'm the first off season was pretty much just a wash because they had no money, they had no picks, all of these, all of that was just kind of a hot mess disaster of what was left over. And so, what he's been able to do in this last couple drafts and this one last off season with adding DJ Moore, adding Andrew Billings, getting a contract out of that, trading for Montez Sweat, getting a contract out of that, getting guys like Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker and Brack, oh, sorry, Jaquan. Uh, Kyler Gordon and uh, Brisker and now Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens, who we're seeing get better and better every week. Tyreek Stevenson, we're seeing ups and downs from him, but we're seeing a lot of good, positive things. Terrell Smith, we're seeing a lot of good, positive things. Uh, Tyler Scott had a rough game last week, uh, but we have seen some positive things out of Tyler Scott also. So there's just so many good, and I didn't even name it everybody because I could pretty much go down the list of every person that he's drafted and say the majority of the people that he's drafted and say something positive about them. And the majority of them are starting on the football field too. So that's even more exciting. Um, Obviously Darnell Wright being a part of that, the Nate Davis trade, Nate Davis has been battling injuries all year, but when Nate Davis is out there, there's definitely a difference in the line and um, them being able to move Tevin around has helped a lot. But this weekend, Oh, actually, Monday night football against the Vikings is going to be an interesting one. They are still without Kirk Cousins. Um, 
Josh Dobbs playing. And so I personally think it's a winnable game. I don't see the Vikings as a super threat, but for some reason we haven't been able to beat anybody in the NFC North for like three years. So that has to that has to change at some point. It would really be cool to on a Monday night in that streak of not being able to win the, the divisional games and just kind of start turning this page uh, and see really what we have out of Justin Fields because I think some people have already closed that chapter and are like, he's gone, they're going to draft a quarterback. I'm not quite there yet. Um, it's a lot. It's a big process to completely start over, draft another quarterback, and start. And I guess they wouldn't be starting all the way back from where they had to with Justin because they do have DJ Moore. They do have um, a lot of contracts around it, a lot of things. So whoever this next quarterback coming in is coming into such a better situation than Justin Fields had, which makes me really sad because I feel like we're finally seeing him progress. And I posted something earlier on Twitter about the numbers of the quarterbacks and I just not every quarterback in the league, but I did one of just kind of, you know, the ones we we hear about and talk about and people shut down Justin pretty quickly compared to a lot of these guys. But for example, I made a list uh Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Tugavailoa, Jared Goff, Justin Fields, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. Justin Fields in this, so he has 25 passing touchdowns. This is in the last 16 starts of each of these quarterbacks. Justin Fields has 25 touchdowns. Uh, the only people, so the people with more than the, those 25 touchdowns are uh, Burrow, who just has 28, so only three more. Uh, Josh Allen has 34. Patrick Mahomes has 31. Uh, so only six more touchdowns than Justin Fields has. But guys who have less, Trevor Lawrence has less. He only has 20. Jalen Hurts only has 23. Uh, Jared Goff has a few more with 28. Uh, Justin Herbert has the same as him, was 25. Lamar Jackson only has 16. Uh, Dak has 32. And all of these guys have almost have close to double the amount of passing attempts. Uh, Justin Fields only has 316. The rest of them have 430 plus Lamar has 430 the rest are all like 550 plus pass attempts so that really skews the numbers when you think about it and Justin Fields still has close to the passing touchdowns as them he has 12 interceptions um, as does Jalen Hurts also has 12 interceptions but Josh Allen has 15 he has more Uh, Patrick Mahomes has 13 he has more uh, Tua has 13, he has more. Dak has 15, he has more. Um, but then when you look at total touchdowns, so the most touchdowns, obviously, uh, you would, I guess, some people would probably guess Patrick Mahomes. It is not. Josh Allen has 43 total touchdowns in his last 16 starts. That's the most out of all of these quarterbacks. Behind him is Jalen Hurts with 38. Behind him is a tie between Patrick Mahomes and Dak, Dak Prescott with 34. Behind that is Justin Fields. Uh, with 33 total touchdowns because obviously he has 1,200 and uh, 1,202 rushing yards and eight more rushing touchdowns. And so less total touchdowns than Justin Fields in their last 16 starts. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jared Goff, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, all of those quarterbacks have less total touchdowns than Justin Fields in the last 16 starts. But the narrative won't show you that because people want to attach uh, wins to uh, QB success, which I think is wrong. Anyways, I just went on a rant that I didn't need to because this episode was about Javon Dexter, Javon Dexter, and another um, marvelous pick by Ryan Poles when it comes down to it. And so we will continue to see what this, what kind of pans out for the rest of the season. But it's been fun watching some of these guys grow, especially the rookies like Dexter. So hopefully we continue to see that. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend and uh, 
everybody is happy and healthy, and hopefully we come out with a win Monday night. But anyways, I am Taylor Dahl. This is Making Monsters. (laughs) 